What makes a great solar business? How can you learn from the past and prepare for the future so your solar business thrives? We set out to answer these questions and more. My name is Nigel Morris and I'm the Head of Business Development at Solar Analytics. Welcome to Great Solar Business, proudly brought to you by Solar Juice. Well, hello, solar friends, and welcome back to another episode of Great Solar Business. This week, we explore yet more secrets of great solar business and discuss the topic, consumer law in solar. Now, for this episode, I'm delighted to welcome a really fantastic guest, actually, who's something of an expert in crap solar, amongst a long list of activities and panels that uh, he's involved with. Gerard Brody is the chair of the CEC-approved Solar Retailer Programs Code Review Panel, and it's been on the panel since it's pro- since the program's inception in 2015. I'm sure listeners would know that I've also been on the panel as an industry rep for many years, on and off as a result, and uh, have had the pleasure of discussing many consumer protection issues with Gerard over the years. Gerard, welcome to Great Solar Business. Very happy to chat with you, Nigel. Well, I'm happy to have you here, mate. And, we, you know, as we roll out to the end of the year and everything gets a little bit manic, uh, thanks so much for jumping in at late notice, mate. I really appreciate it. Now, to get started, I know Consumer Action deals with a huge variety of issues, not just solar, of course. Can you please tell me how and why did you get involved in solar power? Yeah, great question, Nigel. Uh, so the Consumer Action Law Centre, for those that don't know us, we're a community legal centre and financial counselling organisation based in Melbourne. Uh, we provide uh, free legal advice to Victorians on a range of consumer issues through a, a consumer advice service. We're also part of what's called the National Debt Help Helpline, which uh, we have financial counsellors that answer calls on that helpline uh, for people in financial difficulty or distress. And so we we speak to to many people in a variety of circumstances on, on a range of different issues, and and commonly they are include you know sort of finance and credit lending products. Uh, they might include include essential services like telco and energy bills, uh, other sorts of consumer disputes, um, contracts, and and that sort of thing. We became um, through our complaints to our centre, so probably from about. 2013, 14, 15 onwards, as solar sort of became, I guess, a bit more established in the marketplace, we became uh, a bit more interested in it because we started receiving calls from people who had problems, um, either with, you know, a range of different problems from from the marketing claims or or contracts or or something with um, the the actual installation and, and performance of solar. So, that was really what garnered our interest. And when we looked at trying to assist them, we recognised that there wasn't a lot of, uh, I guess, rules or industry-specific rules that um, helped people, gave them rights uh, beyond the general consumer law. Um, and, and so that's why we became more active in the area to, I guess, um, give voice to the experiences of consumers. Good job. And then and then you went... Uh... Uh, bugger it i'm all in i'm joining the 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 code review panel for the asr uh, because presumably because it was becoming an issue that you had to grapple with right yeah that's right i mean the interesting thing at that stage was um you know it was a pretty pretty small it was a smaller industry i guess 
Um, and you know, I, I, I should say, Nigel, that I'm I'm not generally a fan of industry self-regulation. I, I tend yeah. to think that it's it doesn't really work that well, and and the standards aren't very strong, and um, the, the the administration of it can be pretty poor. That's my experience in other sectors, like in the finance sector, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did become uh, sort of engaged a little bit with the Clean Energy Council, and they seem to me to be more authentic and and committed to actually putting some robust standards in place to really um, build confidence of the community in in solar. I think that they were quite sort of, I guess, progressive in really understanding that unless people had a good experience with with solar and there weren't sort of, uh, you know, bad bad experiences out there, then then they weren't going to, the industry wasn't going to grow as effectively as it really needed to do if there was going to be, you know, a, a transition in, in energy consumption to more renewable and zero carbon uh, emissions. Nice. Um, so, so I think for that reason, yeah, we, we kind of had some confidence in what the CEC was doing. And, and when they asked me to be involved in the code review panel after seeing, you know, what, what that is they were signing, assigning these businesses up to, um, I thought it was good, a good opportunity to have some influence. Well, good on you. And we'll, we'll come back to the ASAR program in particular a little bit later in our conversation. But um, I wanted to start out with a kind of general uh, question just to set the scene because, you know, as you said, you, you deal with so many different types of issues, I'm mm. sure. Is is the solar industry, you know, when when you're inside the solar industry and looking looking around, particularly as an observer, which I spend a bit of time doing, you know, it seems like where there's so much bad press and there's so many bad companies. But, you know, are we better or worse than any other industries that you deal with? <laughs> That's a really tough question because um, I think that different industries, you know, they sort of uh, go, become better and then they wane in terms of their practice over time. Yeah. Um, and and I think we, we do, you know, if you want to look at the amount of contacts we have to our organisation, um, you know, the, the biggest issue people face um, is with uh, finance, with loans, whether that's credit card, personal loans, home loans, those sort of issues, but also the the payday lenders, those sort of issues. Um, we get a lot of calls around, you know, mainstream energy debt and, and issues with telcos. I think the thing that stuck out to us with the people that contacted us with solar issues, though, was it was really complex to resolve. Many of those oh, other yeah. issues that happen, you know, with a bit of assistance, we can resolve it. And that might be their availability of an ombudsman service that you can refer someone to in the matter. You know it's going to be investigated and resolved in a fair and, and effective way. But with solar, one of the things was that there were many different – the disputes were complex, you know. You, you, the, the consumer, they contract with a solar retailer, but then, you know, then there's a different – an installer that comes and puts it in, which is a different person. They're connecting it to a, a, a grid, which is a, a distribution company, and they've got a role to play. And then they've got their sort of retail contract with their, their incumbent energy supplier to get things like feed-in tariffs. And I think the multiple parties that play the role create an opportunity for confusion and disputation, and that's certainly been our experience. So I think that's why I think that the complexity of that, that arrangement actually drove some of the problems that we saw. Wow. I'd never thought of it like that before, really. But, but, but when you put it like that, it is, it is complex compared to a lot of other things for consumers, isn't it? Because it's, there are multiple parties involved rather than just a one-on-one relationship with someone who's, you know, dudded you on a, on a home build or a bad loan or something like that. So, so what, what's the most common complaint that you get about, uh, you know, poor solar performance? 
Yeah, I think the, the biggest issue that we've seen actually is um, inappropriate or unaffordable finance being offered to purchase solar systems. Mm. Um, and often those were at, as a result of unsolicited contact, whether that's a, a door-to-door visit or a, a phone call where people are, uh, you know, told that they're, um, it, again, it might be with sort of misrepresentations as well, that you, there's not going to be any costs, no upfront costs, no, so, mm-hmm. say, say goodbye to your electricity bill, yep. um, those sort of claims. Um, I think that, that that drives that whole business model. And that's, I guess, all of those things together lead to complaints. Um, and that often that, that, um, presents itself to us in people that have got a, a, a loan with a finance company they simply can't afford. Yep. Um, other ones, are, as I mentioned before, is, I guess, you know, problems with um, installations or, or grid connection happens, product faults or poor performance. Um, and I guess the other area is just, um, yeah, the lack of, I guess, a, a effective dispute resolution options because of this complex uh, sailing model. Yeah. And, and, and often sometimes further um, complicated when uh, businesses close, <laughs> which <laughs> seem to happen regularly in the solar sector as well. <laughs> yeah, we, um, well, we, it's good. We're, we're, we're creating employment in so many ways and clearly, Consumer action, we're helping to keep people employed down there, so that's good. So um, let me ask you this. Well, there are millions of happy solar owners in Australia, and, and you know I do often have to just stop and remind both myself and the listeners that, by and large, the vast majority of solar that goes in works really well, works really reliably, it's super safe, and there are very, very few problems. But we've also had our fair share of problems. We've had collapses. We've had scammers. I've been involved in multiple court cases and uh, and other things. But fr- from where you sit, Gerard, and I know you're f- you're focused in Australia. And I've got two questions here, and I'm going off script. Sorry. Um, a, how big is the problem, and is enough being done to address it? And B, I know you're Victorian focused, but I know you also work with a number of federal and 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 collaborate a lot with other bodies. Do you think the problem is bigger in Victoria than it is in other places? So, so how big is it, and mm. and how different is Victoria to other places? Well, I think that it is reasonably big. Look, if we in a small organisation like ours receive, you know. Um, a number of multiple contacts from, you know, 20s or even hundreds of people, we know that that's just the tip of an iceberg. So we, we think the problem is reasonably big. I should say, though, I think in the last couple of years, things have improved, Nigel. Uh, oh, and I think good. we've received less complaints than we were prior to that. I think one of the things that's happened here in Victoria is the Solar Victoria rebate program. And I think that has contributed to a level of, I guess, assurance by the government in, in ensuring quality, um, it, customer service all the way through to the, the delivery of product um, that is, um, that, that's improved things. Um, and I must say as well, when we see complaints that involve, uh, you know, if there's been a Solar Victoria rebate, um, Solar Victoria very quick um, to, to do something and, and address any problems we're identifying. And so that's, again, very different to what was previously where there wasn't sort of an effective regulator on the beat that would do very much. Nice. In terms of and, other states, I think, yeah. um, you know, I think some of those problems still remain in talking to people in, in my colleagues in other states. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, you know, here in Victoria, as part of the Solar Victoria program, they actually have prohibited the door-to-door selling 
uh, which I think yep. is really, really good. And I think that that is now moved more to some of the other states where it's still going on. Um, mm. And so I think that that's a problem there. Mm, mm. So, so yeah, and I'm right with you. And I, I think, you know, one of the great outcomes of the rebate program uh, in Victoria is that they, they really raised the bar and, 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 you know, it's been, there was a lot of furor about it, uh, particularly around some of the, you know, inspection requirements and uh, uh, fall protection requirements. So safety was a big issue, but con- they, they really did a, they really did a really good job, I think, of, of addressing those consumer issues. So that's great. And I think, you know, there's a lot of lessons that um, the other states could learn. So, okay, that's good. That's good. Now, I'm, I'm going to go to the elephant in the room here because for some of our listeners, if they're still here and they and we started the conversation talking about the approved solar retailer program, some are, some are probably already dropped off. Uh, because some people love the the approved solar retailer program, and some people really, really hate it. Some people think it's too easy to become approved, and and you know lets bad apples through. And others think it's too hard. Yeah. Um. But the thing that I get most excited about, and over the many years that I've been in and out of the uh, code review panel, and and got to have these discussions with you and the rest of the team, the thing that I get most excited about is when an approved solar retailer. Uh, has a complaint lodged against them, uh, potentially a breach. Some of them respond like lightning and make improvements. They are engaged. They want to change their business practice. And to me, what that proves is, is the program's ability to protect consumers and to help solar companies with compliance. So it, it, it then goes from being a, you know, a big stick approach to actually let's, if you've made a mistake, mistakes happen, let's, talk about those mistakes you've got a set of rules here let's have an open discussion about how we can to get together and make sure that those mistakes don't happen again but there are challenges with the asr program i've always said it's imperfect but it is the best thing we've got and when i see companies adapting i feel so happy because i think it's really constructive then do you think gerard and you've been there since the beginning uh with the isr program do you think the isr has got the balance right look i think it does i think there are a couple of indicators um one is you know there's now almost two thousand businesses part of the program so it shows that there are some um uh appetite from the industry to, to, to be part of it. But also, as you say, seeing the compliance activity, I think, is really important. Um, and I think it's really great how they've improved the transparency around uh, compliance, really publishing information about the number of complaints and uh, the outcomes of, of cases, but also, um, you know, naming breaches, naming companies that have been suspended or, or, or terminated. Um, I think those sort of things you know, build confidence not only to the community that that, that system's there, but also to competitors in the in the marketplace. Um, they can say, well, actually, that this this is worth something because we know they're going to do something about the businesses that um that aren't aren't meeting expectations. And I think you're right as well is that businesses don't want to be breached; they want to actually improve and 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 change. And I think that's what we've seen as well. I guess the only thing I would say about the ASR program where I think that it probably doesn't meet expectations is some of the rules um, I think could have been more ambitious. So for example, Mm. uh, I would like to see them, I'd prefer them to see to prohibit unsolicited selling in that code. And I also think that they shouldn't, uh, signatories shouldn't 
um, use unregulated finance companies um, to, to, to finance solar purchases. That those were issues that were looked at quite closely through the the new energy tech consumer code, you might recall. And we we, we had a lot of discussions about uh, the use of finance over the years in within the ASR context, didn't we? Yeah, that's right. And and unfortunately, uh, even in the new energy tech consumer code, those issues aren't being addressed effectively. And I think that's a, 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 a um, something that you know is a bit of a shame. Um, uh, I think that if if those things were done, we would actually see the vast majority of complaints to our centre actually just disappear um, if those sort of rules were in place. Wow, interesting, interesting, interesting. I think you've mentioned if I had a if I had a count for how many times you've mentioned finance in this uh, podcast, it would tell a story. Uh, but um, we need to take a breather and hear a message from our sponsors. Solar Juice is Australia's leading solar distributor, providing complete residential and commercial rooftop solar component solutions. Solar Juice aligns themselves with brands that share their values of service, support, quality and value for money. Like their panel brands, REC, Hyundai, Trina and Longy, their inverters, SMA, Fronius and SunGrow, along with the Tesla Powerwall battery. Check out solarjuice.com.au and let Solar Juice help you become a great solar business. Great Solar Business is also brought to you by Solar Analytics. Get more from your solar, more confidence, more savings and more insights with solaranalytics.com.au. All right, and we're back. And uh, thank you so much to our sponsors. We couldn't do it without you. The team at Solar Juice uh, had a wonderful event the other day, actually, that I went to go and meet real people and have a good time with real people for the first time in ages. So that was wonderful. And thank you so much to the team over there for supporting the show. All right, we're on the run to the finish line now, Gerard, and, and let's shift gears to the future. Uh, in the next year or so, based on what you've seen, what you've learned, you've got the whole team working for you at Consumer Action, what do you think solar companies need to work hardest on improving? I think that um, they still need to focus on clear and effective marketing practices. Um, too often, we still see you know, these claims from businesses that simply can't be met about you know, saving on electricity costs or bill costs. Um, or free, free being used in marketing. It's such a mm-hmm. powerful statement. Um, and, you know, it, it's just untrue. <laughs> um, and I think that uh, when we look at sort of the, the breaches through the ASR, a lot of them are related to sort of um, false and misleading statements in, in marketing and uh, advertising and promotion. So I think that's still a key area that the industry needs to keep on working on. I get that industry want to you know, promote their product and, and put it in the best possible light, but they can't uh, mislead people a, as part of that. Um, it's only going to hurt the whole industry overall. And I guess the other area um, that I think uh, needs to be, you know, continue to be um, uh, a focus is that um, making sure that the system is, is, is you know, uh, working and meeting the standard that the consumer expects. So solar providers do give you, um, you know, a, um, a site-specific um, performance estimate um, and people expect that, well, we want that system to, to meet a performance estimate um, and we want it to be connected um, and, and all taken care of uh, rather than it being a really confusing process to actually 
um, you know, finalise contracts and sign up and get connected to the grid and sign with your retailer. So I think that's an area uh, that really needs to be a focus. I know the clean energy regulator is going to have a focus on that for retailers as well. That's true. Um, we had the clean energy regulator on the show uh, two or three or four episodes back, actually, and they uh, they talked at length about uh, the areas that they were going to target. And 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 you're quite right. It's you know, getting those getting those consumer promises aligned with what is actually delivered, and working out how to make those predictions and everything else um, aligned in, in a meaningful way that consumers can understand is, is critically important. Um, great role for, um, I have to say it, and, and all, lead, all roads lead back to great monitoring in my world uh, because that's what gives transparency. All right. Um, uh, there, are always, uh, there, will all, there are and always will be good, bad co- good companies and bad companies. Um, imagine yourself... Uh, I've cajoled you not into a podcast, but I've cajoled you into a room with a hundred solar companies. Uh, they're all sitting there. You've been brought in as the guest and they've asked, what can I actually do to meaningfully differentiate myself from the, from the craft solar cowboys? You know, there's social media, there's advertising, there's TV, you know, how do you get the messages through to consumers that I'm not that company, that I'm a good uh, meaningful uh, company that are going to deliver what I promise. How, how, what do you say to those solar companies? How do you, how would you advise them, <laughs> Well, that that's a great question as well. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm I'm the expert at this, but what I would suggest, um, Nigel, is that I think values matter. Values in businesses matter mm. as well. So I think a business that states its values quite clearly and, and values that are focused on customer outcomes, focused on fairness, focusing on delivering long-term value for their customer, uh, those sort of things, you know, um, drive, if they're set as business values and then they feed into everything else the businesses do from their, from their marketing to their, you know, uh, point of sale to, to the, the actual uh, installation, but importantly, post-sale, like anything that follow-up, I think those follow-up processes with um, businesses are, are really important. Mm-hmm. Um, really being being true to your values, um, I think is going to set you apart uh, uh, from other companies. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you've got a company focus and it is values is just about you know transactions and and uh, customers, um, uh, I guess uh, you know being seen as as numbers uh, rather than people, um, then uh, I think that is going to um, hold you back, um, and you're going to get complaints and issues arise in your business. Um, and and I, so I think that yeah, I really think that values make it play a big part in in effective businesses in Australia. I like it telling the value story right back in an early episode. We had uh, we had a couple of marketing and sales experts on the show, and they talked about that a lot as well. So that's uh, you, you've circled right back around after a whole <laughs> year for me. I love it. All right, last question to wrap it up, Gerard. And and the good news is that you know you're not in. Uh, consumer action now. You're not uh, chatting on one of the consumer panels where you need to be uh, polite or courteous uh, or, or guard your words. You can say whatever you like on the show. Um, you know, for all we know, no one's even going to listen. Uh, so you can <laughs> so you can say whatever you like. But what I'm really interested in is, you know, what's your most controversial prediction for the next year or so in solar? What's your crystal ball telling you 
uh, from again, from your perspective, from the consumer law, you know, what are you seeing coming down the pipeline? What are the trends that you think are coming? What do you think? What's the what's the number one tip that you would give solar businesses that they need to think about for the next year or so? Yeah, wow, great question again. Um, look, I think the next thing that needs to happen in solar, particularly as it's becoming much more embedded in the community and it's becoming part of the everyday consumption of energy for, for many, if not most, households, is we need to um, bring solar into the energy ombudsman service. At the Ooh. moment, the energy ombudsman exists to resolve complaints between energy providers and customers, and it's a really important um, bedrock of consumer protection, mm -hmm. um, and it can play a real role in improvement in the system because not only do they resolve individual matters, they, they look at systemic issues and try and solve them at the core to pre prevent complaints from occurring in, in the beginning. I think we really need to bring solar into the ombudsman's jurisdiction I so that it. customers know, it. you know, whether they purchase from an energy company, a solar retailer, that they've got that that backstop, that that way to resolve complaints. I love it. It's all energy. And, and, and you know, we're already at... Uh, you know, a massive proportion of, of installed capacity. And in, in many states, we're generating more than 100% of the energy in that state. So we're as material as the incumbent generators. And uh, I'm with you, mate. I love this. This is the best prediction we've had. <laughs> Normalise us. Put us in the ombudsman. That's when you know you're normal, when the ombudsman has you listed as, as a service that they... Uh, that they protect. So that's a that's a great prediction. Thank you so much for that. Gerard, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show, but sadly we're out of time. Thank you so much for joining us. No worries. It's great to chat with you. Good on you, mate. Um, well, friends, that's a wrap. Uh, my name is Nigel Morris, and I'm Head of Business Development at Solar Analytics. Uh, we've only got one more show. Uh, if you're counting time, as we do in the world of solar insiders and great solar business, in the number of episodes uh, that pass for, uh, to count your days and weeks and months and years, uh, we've only got one more episode to go. And I've got a cracker lined up uh, with a bunch of installers, actually, for the next show. So I do hope you'll join us for that. I hope you picked up some really great tips from Gerard at Consumer Action on how to build a great solar business. And I look forward to talking to you again soon. Great Solar Business was brought to you by Solar Juice, Australia's leading solar distributor. Solar Juice aligns themselves with brands that share their values of service, support, quality and value for money. Check out solarjuice.com.au and let Solar Juice help you become a great solar business. Great Solar Business was also brought to you by Solar Analytics. Get more from your solar, more confidence, more savings and more insights with Solar Analytics.